Welcome back to another episode of Awareness to Action Enneagram Podcast. We haven't I'm, started yet. It feels like no. we're halfway through this podcast. Already. <laughs> All right, go, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Aye, aye, aye. Uh, welcome to today's. Uh, this is an authentic view of, of what it is what to really podcast. What really goes on to podcast. Yeah, yeah just a lot of stops and starts. Um, Today we are we are talking about authenticity, that that middle step between awareness and action. The secret A. The secret say. A. Yes, yes. Yeah. the 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 one the Sufis long talked about <laughs> that <laughs> eventually oh, became part of the Freemason. You can oh no, this uh, goes back like forty thousand years to ancient <laughs> Prometheans or something. Yeah, somewhere. um, so. Authenticity, it's a huge buzzword right now. Well, it has been for a while, uh, and I'm personally getting tired of it. <laughs> Even though it's such a big part of who, like my values in life, right? But it's just like, just gotta be authentic, you know? And I like now to that say, I everybody's talking about it, you don't like it anymore, right? <laughs> exactly. It's exactly. not exclusive They're enough. Not <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need to come up with a different word. Um, yeah. So, so that's a curious to me, Creek. So, when when you say that everybody's talking about it and you're getting sick of it, what is it that people are saying? What are um, the kids talking about? These what are days? the kids talking? Well, <laughs> I'm slowly making my way out of that group of kids, uh, um, okay. but it's just, I mean, every entrepreneur, every social media influencer, it's all about like. You just got to be authentic. Like, just be your authentic self. Don't let other people define who you are. I mean, all, I mean, generally good things, but it's just, it ends up becoming, it still becomes a show. It still becomes a production of authenticity instead of an actual expression of one. Yes. And so the authenticity isn't authentic. Yeah. Make, make sure you craft an authentic brand, right? Exactly. Uh, is, is what happens here. And so you're right. There's very little actual authenticity because most of what we do is filtered through something okay mm -hmm. it's, you know and there can be this understanding that authenticity means just acting on whatever impulse or whim i have at the moment okay that i'm being authentic and by expressing what i'm thinking I'm being authentic by telling you i think you're stupid or you're ugly or you dress funny or something when that's just being a jerk yeah, okay. just so, being real, man. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm too honest. I'm, I'm, I'm too honest for my own good. Yeah, I'm just telling it like it is. So, and that's not what we're talking about, about authenticity, right? And I agree with you. Authenticity is a word that's used a lot, and it's usually used as an excuse not to change rather than what we're talking about it here in the midst of our change process. Mm -hmm. How do you see it used in your spaces? I think that uh, for some reason, maybe I'm too old. People don't talk to, about it that much. <laughs> I do hear it in terms of authentic leadership. And it's one of these big words that could mean anything, but it doesn't mean anything. I mean, it could be everything. And so I just don't hear, don't listen to it anymore, to be honest. It's it just... I ignore it. What I what I see sometimes, you know, when I work with a client, they might not say I'm trying to be authentic, but what they'll say is that's just who I am or that's just how I am, 
Okay. And, you know, I'm not going to change. I can't change. I don't want to change, et cetera. And so it becomes an excuse for, you know, A, I may not know how to act in the way people want me to. Okay. I may not be skillful at it. So I'm going to come up with some excuse not to do it. Mm-hmm. B, I am identified with some immature, poor behavior. Um, You know, I had this, uh, an example very recently, I was coaching a guy who, you know, nice guy, once you got through all the stuff, right, all the not nice stuff about him. And one of the main reasons we were working together were his people skills. He would just treat people atrociously. And his reaction would be, his response would be, well, that's just how I communicate, right? Well, okay, but it needs to change. Communicate better. Yeah, right. It's, you know, (laughs) you got to change that behavior. And the problem is, is that people tend to think that changing a behavior is the same as changing who you are. And this takes us down to the rabbit hole, which we won't go into, why the problem of essentialism is, you know, the idea of essentialism is such a problem, right? Mm -hmm. That we are this person, that I have this authentic self, this essential self that I'm trying to get back to in some way, right? Whenever you hear about somebody trying to get back to something, okay, they're going the wrong direction, Okay, <laughs> but yeah, you know, because there's no identity. Unless you're going state. back to the future. Well, there, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Look well, at me, movie yeah. references. Yeah, right. yeah. wow. <laughs> <laughs> so we finally found the one movie you've seen, Chris. Yeah. All right. What the kids are using now, some kids, it's an app called uh, Be Real, where mm. they uh, just take pictures of themselves doing just regular stuff. Yeah. And that I think it's closer to what we're talking about, but it's kind of at least not just too different to what uh, we're talking about. And it's just doing things that they normally do without just crafting the perfect setting or uh, some image that you would envy right away. So it's Mm -hmm. uh, just no makeup or at home, bored, in bed, whatever. There is something that eventually every one of those platforms will become performative. Sure. I think like who is the most real on this platform? Right. Right. And if, if, yeah, if you're in any, I have a friend who he authentically produces these moments with his family. It's a natural thing that they do. He's a, he's a transmitting for and beautiful, breathtaking scenery with all these beautifully articulated and made handmade crafted things. And he just posts about it and people get all up in arms and like, oh, that's not a real life. He's like, no, actually it is. I'm just, this is how we have fun. So there's, yeah. there's always going to be just this weird sort of, you never can do it right. And that's, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and listen to what we're talking about too, because we're talking about how, Stopping in the middle of what you're doing and taking a picture with, you know, this device that I still can't figure out how this thing actually works <laughs> and why it works and all this is not artificial, right? Because mm-hmm. even that is an artificial activity. I'm stopping what I'm doing because my son does that, my oldest son. And, you know, we were in the car a while back and he all of a sudden takes out his phone and snaps a picture. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, and he says, yeah, I'm doing the be real thing. And I'm like, okay, but 
that's not real either. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Maria. Say. Today it's real. It's what people do. What makes it real? Well, so, so this is so this is the bigger point, right? And 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 you're right because real is what we're actually doing, and it's not a question of authentic or inauthentic. It's a question of effective or ineffective, or skillful or non-skillful, or adaptive or maladaptive, right? Because your friend Creek, who's creating this, you know, this environment, that activity is just as real. Mm -hmm. Right. As, you know, anything else. And so that's not the question is, is what I'm doing hurting anybody? Is what I'm doing skillful? Is what I'm doing trying to deceive anyone? These are the questions we should be asking ourselves. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and this is how we talk about authenticity here, because uh, when we're talking about authenticity, so when we were coming up with the, um, um, the awareness to action process, Way back in the, the aughts, now the, uh, the, the that was actually the nineties. Uh, so uh, was it? No, the, yeah, well, whatever. Um, Did you have bell bottom jeans? <laughs> You're a couple of decades off there, but okay. uh, you know, but that's okay. Uh, bell bottoms might have been coming back. You know. Did you point. have a windsuit or a uh, like the really know. slippery? Like neon looking. <laughs> no, that was the 80s. Creed. Okay. okay. Yeah. Sorry. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so par with parachute pants back in the 80s. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. So, uh, so where were we? Okay. So we're coming up with the awareness to action process. And that middle A, I was wrestling with what to call it. Okay. You just and needed it to start with an A. And it whatever start the with word an was. A, right. Yeah. So I so I got the dictionary out, you know, I closed Alcoholism. my eyes. Yeah, alcohol, right. <laughs> uh, so um so what struck me was that it's a constructive act that we're talking about. And some people might not see that as authentic, right? Because, you know, much like your friend, if he's constructing this environment, well, how's that real? Well, what we're doing is creating a narrative that's not more true to who we are, but that's more true to reality. And so when we rewrite the story as part of the authenticity piece, yes, we are acknowledging and accepting our preferred strategy and our instinctual bias and who we are, but we're writing a story that is more true about how the world works. Okay. So go ahead, Maria. While still true to our nature or to our needs or Right. So I, I would stay while still I would say while still respecting our mm. nature and our needs, mm. right? Rather than being true to them. Because again, if we talk about mm. true to them, we get caught back into know. you know. Yeah. <laughs> so um, <laughs> there you go. This this might be a bunny trail, um, but oh, we've never done that before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my co-host and I, Seth Seth Abram, and I were were talking about this yesterday of the difference between creativity and productivity, and productivity always has an ends in mind. Maybe it's not as clear cut as this, but in creativity, is more of just the exploration of process, and it feels like. Maybe that's a false distinction, but the those who are trying to produce authenticity 
you're going to feel it. You're going to sense it on some level versus those who are just creating this moment and then capturing it as part of the process. I feel like those are the two different things that we're talking about. Thoughts? Yeah, I, I would say that authenticity in the way that you're discussing it there is simply of no interest to me in this context. Because when we're talking about creating change, that's a different thing from creativity, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, or creativity that comes from an honest, genuine, experienced, felt place. When we're talking about authenticity, and one of the reasons I like the word authenticity is because it has the same root as the word author, okay? And there is a connection between those words etymologically that there's authenticity involves an act of creation of something, okay? But that comes from a real place and ends up in a real place a more accurate place, okay? So, for example, when we tell ones that, um, you know, you'll be more perfect if you get the project done than if you let your perfectionism keep you from getting the project done, that's a truer story. It's a more adaptive story. It's a more authentic story about how the world is and how the world works. So this is what we're talking about when we're talking about authenticity here, you know, we're not talking about, oh, this was the original pressing of, you know, Freebird or something. So, mm. um, <laughs> so. okay. <laughs> so what, like, why, why does authenticity, why is doing the work of authenticity, understanding yourself? Why does that matter? I think that to me, it's the middle step that truly ensures that we change in a sustainable way. And because it is very easy and it's what we, most of us probably do most of the time is that we say we need to change this and then, okay, so tomorrow I'll start doing that. And it doesn't just work like that. With the clients that we work, they all know what they need to change. And for a reason, they have not done anything or not enough. When And it's because the change feels inauthentic. It's like I would need to become a different person in order to act differently. And that's how it mm -hmm. feels. So that's the main resistance. I know that I need to hand in the projects, even if it has mistakes. I know that I shouldn't care about mistakes. I know that perfectionism is not that good in many situations, but I can't help it. It feels to me that I would need to be born again in order to not care about that. Mm. So if you tell me as of tomorrow, you, you will just hand it in, in time and I know that you're right, but I don't want to do it because it doesn't feel like something I would want to do. So when we're talking here about authenticity, what we're saying is, okay, so you have this narrative that it's implicit. I don't think about it all the time, where you think that perfection, you will feel perfect if there are no mistakes. And that's what an autopilot I just usually do. Now, if I think about it, 
when I don't hand the project in on time, do I really feel perfect? Well, I don't. So I would feel even more perfect if I hadn't it in time, even if it has a couple of mistakes. That feels true to my view of the world that satisfies and respects my need to feel perfect, but it's a narrative that it's more adaptive. It makes me feel even more perfect, not less perfect. And it gets me to do what I need to do and function in the world better. So when that narrative changes, then I want to I want to do it kind of wholeheartedly, not just rationally. Yeah, I, I think what Maria Jose said there about um, feeling more perfect is the critical point, right? So it is honoring that need to feel perfect in some way, but it's a recognition that her existing narratives about what it means to feel perfect are outdated and actually false, right? And so this is one of the, the problems where very often when people are claiming to be being authentic, they're actually embracing an old, outdated and ineffective internal narrative that's not true, okay? It might be old, but because it's not true, it's not actually authentic. Okay? It might have worked at one time. It may have worked at one time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it may have been the best story I had at the time, but it's now outdated and needs to be revised and updated. And what usually happens is that you tend to feel more perfect, connected or whatever with these outdated narratives in the short term, in the moment, it feels like the thing that you have to do. But in the long term, it simply doesn't satisfy that feeling need as much. So uh, there's something here that I think is um, is related, Creek. Uh, so I, I know that uh, we've talked about the uh, podcast uh, episode with David Deutsch, philosopher and scientist, and it was on the uh, Tim Ferriss show. And I've been thinking a lot about that lately and about his idea of explanations, okay, and how he has built on or clarified or, I guess, uh, popularized Karl Popper's work about how science works. And we go through life and everything's fine until we face some sort of problem, okay? Something's not working, something's, you know, uh, broken, something's causing me pain. And we come up with an explanation for why that's happening, okay, to explain it. And there are good explanations and there are bad explanations and there are explanations everywhere in between. And a bad explanation is fine or an insufficient or a limited explanation is fine if it solves the problem. But if it doesn't, then we need to argue about and debate and, you know, test the explanation. This is what we're doing all the time about reality, okay? We're going through life, something happens to us, we create some kind of story about, okay, somebody's mean to me, I'd be mean back, okay? Somebody hits me, I hit them twice, whatever our story is. Okay? 
That explanation becomes... Some people just run away and avoid those kind of people. <laughs> yeah. You mean your story. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> what, what can I say? I am what I am, right? So, um, okay. <laughs> but is it your most authentic self, Maria? Uh, but see, and, and uh, see, it, it doesn't matter because my authentic <laughs> self doesn't exist. Okay, there is no true self. There's only you. There are the things that you do, the things that you think, the things that you feel. There's, you know, as Hume said, I went looking for my true nature and found only sensation. Okay, I went looking for the self and found sensation. Okay, so there's just this entity called Mario doing what it's doing. Okay, and there's nothing I can't help but be authentic because I am me and I'm doing what I'm doing. Okay, so that by definition is authentic. Okay, but uh, go ahead. What you're what I what I don't think you are saying is that there isn't a consistent line through your birth into where you are now that can be traced. What you're saying is there's not on a um, true authentic traits or attitudes that are you. It's just, but you're who you are as Mario from birth to now. There is some level of consistency. Yes. There is a sense of what Winnicott called uh, a sense of going on being. This sense of I am the same Mario that's in pictures of when I was three years old. Okay. You look very but different, though. I look very different. <laughs> yes, I, have, I would guess. Well, no, I about the same him. amount of hair. Yes, as I did. You know, then. But, Can you imagine? But, <laughs> oh, but but this opens up, and again, bunny trails and you know, mm -hmm. uh, alert. But this opens up a really philosophical question. Okay, I forget what the uh, there, there's a uh, kind of a technical philosophical conundrum of the ship. Right, so the ship goes out, and every time the ship comes back to port, it's repaired. Okay, and eventually, you know, if it's a wooden ship, and you know, we're talking about the 1600s, eventually, there's not really anything left on that ship that's original. Just like in me, you know, there probably aren't any of the same cells left from that three-year-old Mario and all these things, right? But there is this sense of going on being. Okay. Now, can I trust my recollection of who I have been through all those years? No. Okay. Do I really know if I'm the same person and the same in the sense of my attitudes, my memories, my actions, my behaviors, my values? Are they the same? Well, of course not. Okay. My values, my beliefs, my views have changed dramatically over that time. You went to seminary. I was a seminarian <laughs> way back, right? I mean, come on, right? So, you know, so that, but each of us can say the same thing. Mm -hmm. So there's this sense of going on being. And yes, there is this physical form taking up physical space or, you know, uh, uh, you know, or space and time and, and, the same time, there's really nothing authentic about it, okay? So we need to stop thinking in terms of, oh, am I being authentic to who I am, right? Because I don't know who I am, 
Nobody knows who they are. Nobody knows really deeply who they are, let alone can trust their memories of who they've been all this time. So the only question to ask ourselves is, what is the best way to go on in life? What is the best way to craft our stories and explanations about the world that are acceptable to my lingering sense of what is important to me as a human being? That's what we're talking about here when we're talking about authenticity. Mm -hmm. Did any of that make any sense? I was, just kind of, yeah. I was just wondering what our listeners would take away from this whole conversation. <laughs> I, it's it's obvious. It's it is important topics. I I know I enjoy these topics, right? I think it's important to to at least wrestle with it. I also know for some people it's not important at all. Well, they're um, not listening anyway. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right, and and they they're living wonderful, beautiful lives without the knowledge of whether self is real or not, right? I, I Yeah, I guess let's go back to practicality. Yeah, and, and in practical terms, I think that I guess to wrap it up in the kind of normal people's language, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what we're not saying is there's a true self that you need to find and kind of respect and go back to or because it's like finding our purpose or, or who we are. It's just a quest that it's just will not take you anywhere or, or it can, but it will be a construct anyway. So um, what we're saying here is you will live, I think, better lives if you're able to find ways to be more adaptive, function better in the world, honoring what's important to us. It's just what you said, Mario, uh, in some different words. But, mm -hmm. but I see so many people trying to find who they are. When I have said that or do say that, right, it's actually what's important to me and what makes me happy, what, what fulfills me. Those are the actual questions. Mm -hmm. how, how do I feel a sense of belonging to this life that I'm living. And, and, and this is why precision of language is so important, Greek, because what you just said, those are all valid questions for exploration. But if it's, you know, what is my true self? Uh, that, that's, that's too vague a question to be interesting. Mm. Okay. The question should be, what seems to bring me pleasure? What seems to bring me joy? Those are the questions we should be asking, not who is my true self, who is my authentic self, because that's just that's avoidance of what the real questions are, right? I mean, what is my true? Yes, what is my true nature? Who cares? Mm. Right. The, the the questions are: what makes me happy? What brings me satisfaction? What brings me fulfillment? And there then how should I be in the world? Tolstoy said, you know, what then shall we do? That's the big question. Okay. What then shall we do? And in order to answer that question, we have to understand, yes, these are my values, these are my patterns. We have to respect those, but then we have to rewrite 
our flawed definitions, our flawed stories about those into broader, healthier ways. And that's an ongoing process that never, ever ends. And that allows us to take skillful action. I only add that um, when we're going through this step of the process of authenticity, we're rewriting our narratives and it's like we're expanding the definition of what perfect, connected, peaceful is. And more and more things fit in there. So if I'm a nine and I am striving to feel peaceful and therefore I avoid conflict, that's kind of, that can be one, a a way to define feeling peaceful. But then that narrative can change and we can say, I'll address conflict at the beginning so it doesn't get bigger and and that's how I will feel peaceful again. So it it ex, it expands, it becomes more flexible, more things fit in there when I'm rewriting the stories, but it still fulfills my basic need of feeling peaceful. That's an important point. The more we rewrite the story, the more permeable it becomes, the more elastic it becomes, the the wider variation of response, thinking, feeling, doing reactions or responses to the world, our story allows. If our story is constructed and and narrow and not changing, it limits our ability to respond to the world in skillful ways. Which can be scary. Sure. This ain't for uh, sissies. Yeah, right, no, it's, it's not scary. In what way, Creek? Yeah, go I, I, I mean, just I can think of people that having a more permeable, flexible worldview feels like they're letting go of any sort of opinion or any level of certainty or stability. Which, yes, but also how I've how I've explained it to a client before is like what we're talking about is not we don't need to build stronger walls. We need to build a stronger body to go outside those walls and be able to explore and to adapt to the things that come at you instead of you having to be in this really strong fortress at all times in order to feel okay. Yeah, and and there's also, uh, you, you know, you can add to that expanding the walls, right? Sure. And, you know, and shortening them a little bit as appropriate to the threat and, and so forth. But you're right, and... The thing that, so it can be scary, right? Because again, this gets to the heart of the creation of the story, right? Why do we create stories? Because point six, we feel anxiety about something. Okay, we we wake up in the woods lost, and that's a scary feeling. And so we create a story to make us feel safe again. The problem is, is that the story can provide false comfort. And what people don't realize is that the more you let go of the need to know, to have an opinion about everything, to think that you understand everything, to embrace comforting stories, the more liberated you become. When you're able to say, you know what, I just don't have an opinion on that, or I don't know what the answer is. Once you get over the fear of possible humiliation or 
whatever catastrophe you think is going to happen, it's really a pretty cool place to be. Unless mm -hmm. every weekly meeting you say, I don't know, when your boss asks you about something. <laughs> I just want to make that oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like <laughs> you're supposed to know yeah. certain things at times. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah. I, I totally agree with you that embracing kind of what we don't know, it's also a way to learn, to be open to learning. Yes. Um, Takes us back to that beginner's mind we talked about yes, before. But absolutely. yes, if you're if if you if you get a job as a pilot and you know and your first day in, in the cockpit, you know, you know, you don't want to say, yeah, I don't know how to fly this thing, you know, right? Yeah, that, that's not what we're advocating for here. Yeah, and we're not saying that you need to change your mind every other day or uh, be flexible with values or things like that. I think that at least what we're saying is. The range of responses that you have to specific situation grows. You know, mm -hmm. you have a broader range of options to respond to what life brings. And depending on what you're seeing, it's what you use. And before that was more limited. I don't know if we'll, we'll wrap this up here, but uh, I don't know if I brought this up on this podcast or on Fathoms, but. Um, the idea of tensile strength. Are you familiar with this term? Mm -hmm. Instead of instead of using screws to frame out a house, they use nails because nails help the house flex when there's a big storm or something like that. Where screws just are really solid and inflexible. So yeah, build your structure, build it well, but build some flexibility into it. And this fear that some people seem to have that. Oh, if I change, I will lose who I am is really, really misplaced anyway, right? I mean, because anybody thinking that they can make huge dramatic changes and go from being one person to another has obviously never met another human being, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, so the, the changes we're talking about, you know, they can have profound impact. Okay, but most people at best make micro changes mm -hmm. in their lives, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, who have we ever met that, you know, was completely different, you know, three days after the last time we saw them, right? I mean, it just doesn't right. happen, okay? Right. So it really, I, I just want to, you know, kind of make this my last point that Anytime somebody's talking about resisting change or not doing something because it's not who they authentically are, it's a good chance they're just resisting change because they're afraid or, you know, not willing for whatever reason to grow. Say what you just said again. In my experience, when people are throwing up as resistance to change... <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I won't pause quite as long yeah, after okay. throwing up. In my experience, when people are using authenticity as an explanation for some behavior or for some willingness not to behave differently, it really has nothing to do with who they are. It has to do with some fear that they have about changing, either they're afraid of 
changing a behavior because they don't feel skillful at it or they fear it might not be the right behavior. They have some story that tells them some different behavior is most appropriate or they're just justifying. No, there is no or. That's all it comes down to, right? They're afraid right. to change. Yeah. I, I, the only thing I'd add to that is I think there, is, there are some decisions for change with a fear of ostracization or, or, or losing mm. your community or, or something like that. Not a frivolous fear by any stretch of the imagination. Still a fear, still a story. But, yeah. So we could do a whole episode on that. Right. Yeah. We're not going into that, but I just wanted to make sure that was clear that it, yes. we're not just talking about self as individuals that don't want to change. Right. Yeah. yeah and, and it is probably not a conscious fear. I want to be clear about that because it's like, it's yeah. not like going back to the beginning of like how we use the awareness to action process. There is a fear that it will be inauthentic while, while it's the opposite. It's like, mm -hmm. Uh, I'll be feel more authentic if I make this change, but it has to be in the right, uh, using the right framework, I think, understanding what's truly authentic and it's honoring the values and, and needs and what it's important to me in the long term, in a more, in a broader way. I just don't want to demonize people who don't want to change. I think it's pretty valid not wanting to change. Sure. Uh, it is scary. And, mm -hmm. and what we're trying here is to provide a useful way to feel comfortable with change. And I think it works. I mean, we see it working with our clients all the time. We see how when we apply the awareness to action process, especially the authenticity step, people get this sense of, okay, I can do this and I want to do it because I see the value not only in the result, but it's like it's aligned with what I care about. I don't need to become a different person. And I said this already, but I think that's the value for us in the uh, awareness to action process to feel authentic. Yeah, uh, really, really important point. And um, in fact... I, as often as possible, resist the word change with my clients because people have this fear that somebody's going to try and change them. And that brings up fear of an ego mm -hmm. death in some way. And so what I always tell people is I've been in the people changing business for 25 years. And the one thing I've learned is that people don't really change, but they can grow, mm -hmm. they can adapt. And that's what we're doing. But they can't grow if we don't expand their stories, grow their stories. Okay. You don't want to change the story in the sense of, okay, Mario, now you start thinking like a, with a fours stories about things. That's just not going to work. Or mm -hmm. get rid of your eight stories. No, it's not going to happen. What you need to do is grow your stories. And this is the way of things. This is the way of nature, right? A, a coconut tree doesn't turn into a pine tree but they can each grow into healthier versions of whatever tree they are. Mm -hmm. okay. Last question. Yeah. Um, I, as you can tell, listener, this, this, this topic is really has a lot of different angles that we could explore for hours. But, and we thought this uh, was going to be a short episode. Yeah, but go ahead. no. <laughs> um, but I kind of along those lines, 
this seems to be the stickiest part of the process. Is, has that been your experience where we can be aware of what we're doing? Great. That's, yeah. we can notice that. And then the action is clear, but it's this, this answering of the question of authenticity is the sticking point to a lot of conversation. Yeah. And it, and it is the, the place where we kind of unlock this resistance to change. Mm. It's where, I don't want to say the magic, but it feels a bit like that. You know, they go mm. from not wanting to change to wanting to change or to grow or to change some attitude, say, change some uh, behavior. And, and that truly happens when it's like there's more air coming into my lungs because now it's like, okay, now I can, I want to do this thing that I know that I should be doing. So it has the biggest impact, I think. Absolutely. And it is the, without the authenticity piece, change rarely actually happens. It's like the New Year's resolution phenomenon, right? Okay, it's December 31st, starting tomorrow, I'm going to quit smoking or I'm you know, not going to eat donuts or whatever it is. I'm going to go to the gym. And so they join the gym. And as anybody who's ever been in a gym or you know has run a gym will tell you, they're packed the first couple weeks of January and they're deserted by late February, right? Because... People are just trying to go from awareness to action without going through the authenticity piece of it, of rewriting the narratives in a way that allows them to embrace change because you frame it in a way that's attractive rather than threatening. Well, this was a, a, a lovely episode. I enjoyed this episode. Um, this is where I enjoy this, this is my favorite part of the, uh, the process. So, uh, listener, if you have any questions or I don't know, snide remarks. Do we want any more snide remarks? Um, yeah, I love snide remarks. All right, like, let's do some snide remarks. Just, throw give me a reason to wake up and be angry in the mornings. <laughs> you can also share with us what you like about the podcast. It doesn't yes. just have to be the flaws you see. We can always tell um, you why we're not, what, why we're right, but... <laughs> Listener, if you have questions, feel free to send them. We'd love to hear your your feedback, your questions, your your compliments. We love so compliments. So where, where should they send it? They should send it to one of our Instagram accounts that you should be able to find in the show notes below. Or you can send an email to us at info@awareness2action.com. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Awareness to Action Enneagram podcast. If you're interested in more information or talking to Mario, MJ, or myself, feel free to reach out to us through the links in the show notes or by emailing info at awarenesstoaction.com. All episode transcriptions and further information can be found at awarenesstoaction.com slash podcast.